Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. In Isaiah chapter 30, Isaiah chapter 30, the Bible tells us the first thing you will see in that chapter of the Word of God is the danger of being involved in neglecting the counsel of the Almighty God. In other words, when the Lord gives you an instruction, when the Lord tells you something that you must do, there is a danger when you take that word and you ignore it. There is a danger in ignoring the counsel of the Almighty God. The Bible says in that very verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 30, we say, Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel but not from me, and who devises plan but not of my spirit. That they may multiply, they may add sin to sin in their life. So there is a danger when the Lord speaks to you. When you are in church, you hear the word of the Lord. He gives you an instruction and you ignore it. There is a danger. That's what the Bible is saying. Number two thing you see is the effects. It tells us that when you keep ignoring the instruction of the Almighty God, the result of that continuous ignoring of the word of God will result in the neglecting of the counsel of the Almighty God. In other words, when the Lord keeps telling you, don't do this, don't do this, and you keep on doing it, at one point in time, you start neglecting his counsel. And when you neglect his counsel, what happens? You start going from one problem to the other. Look at that verse number one of Isaiah chapter 30. The very last statement there says, that they may increase sin unto sin. In other words, they keep adding sorrow unto themselves. The more you disobey, the more you go into more disobedience. How many of us have ever told a lie before? You are lying that, yes, your father is the owner of all the petroleum oil in Nigeria. By the time you tell that particular story, you have to look for another lie to cover it. And then look for another lie to cover it. And then look for another lie to cover it. That's what the Bible is saying. When you do not take counsel from the Almighty God, what you find you're doing is that the result is that, the effect is that you begin to add sin unto sin. And the next thing you see, the Bible talks about that you begin to trust in your own ability to make things right in your life. You begin to trust your own ability to deliver yourself. You start trusting in the wisdom of men. You start trusting in the character and in the ability or the connections that you have. And that is the next thing you see in verse number two. The Bible said that who walk to go down to Egypt and have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. When you keep ignoring what God is saying, the next thing is that you start trusting on yourself that you know more than God. That you were the one who gave him advice when he was creating the world. You told him, okay, when you go to Nigeria, put a lot of gold here. Put a lot of silver there. When you go to this place, don't worry about them. They are not important. You know, you were the one who gave God all the advice. And when you start doing that, you start trusting in your own ability. And when you start trusting in your own ability, the problem is that there is also a result of trusting in men's ability. Look at verse number 13. The Bible says, therefore, these iniquities shall be to you like a bridge ready to fall. A bulge in the high wall, whose breaking comes suddenly in an instant. When you think you are smart, when you think you know more than God, when you think you are the one who advised God on how to create the world, trouble will begin to happen in your life. You will not even expect it. 
There is something that the Yoruba people will say. They say, That means it is the wisdom that kills the wise. When a man thinks that he's wiser than wise, what happens is that he starts climbing the tree from the top. It becomes a problem for him. So that is what is happening here. When you do not follow the counsel of the Almighty God, you think you are the wisest person. And before you know what's happening, destruction happens. But the interesting thing about this whole chapter is that while the Almighty God, while the Almighty God is telling the danger of not following his instruction, the danger of not walking with him, the Lord Almighty did not abandon his people. The Lord Almighty still made a way for his people. He's saying, I've given you the instruction. You have neglected it. You trust in your own wisdom. You trust in your own calculation. You trust in your own understanding. He said, yes, I understand that. But I'm making a way for you. But look at verse number 15. The way that the Lord is making, if you look at Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15, he said, For thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and in rest shall you be saved. In the quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. But look at that next word. But you will not. In other words, the Lord is saying, I know that you have messed up. I know that you are straight away. I know that you think you are smart. I know that you think you are the best that ever happened to man after sliced bread. I know that you think that you are the best thing. But the idea is that when you have done all this thing, I'm asking you can stop. You can return to me. You can return to your first love and you will be restored. That's what the Lord is saying. No matter how much you have messed up, no matter how far you have gone, the Lord is saying that you can still come back and I will restore you. That's the first thing. The second thing the Lord is saying is that it does not matter how much you think that things will not be able to shape up. It doesn't matter the place, how much of a mess that you think you have created. As long as you come back to your place of first love, as long as you return to my promises and rest on my promises, you will be saved. So the Lord is saying, when you return, you will be saved. When you rest on my promises, there is something that is there that will be able to restore you. There is something that will give you the opportunity to move forward. And the Lord is also saying that if you return to the place of your first Lord, if you begin to do what I ask you to do, you will stop playing God and you will start trusting in me. And as you begin to trust in me, things will begin to unfold in your life. But like I said earlier on, if you go back to that verse number 15, the Lord said that after making all these provisions, after making all these opportunities available for his people, he said, but you will not. In other words, as much as I try to help you, as much as I try to open the door for you to be able to come back to me, you are still insisting on doing it your way. You are still insisting on going to the wrong place. You are still insisting on destroying yourself. You are still insisting on not going the way that I want you to go. You have chosen not to listen to what I'm saying. Many of us are listening today both here and online. There are so many things that we know the Lord is telling us to do, but we have chosen to do what we think is better. There are so many things that the Lord is telling us that you are headed in the wrong direction. You are putting your hands into things you are not supposed to put your hands into. But I pray that the Lord Almighty will give us the grace to, to find our way back to the Almighty God. That is why we've been talking about going back to better. The blessing of returning to better. Genesis chapter 35. Genesis 35, we start reading from verse number 1. The Bible says, then God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourself and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their pants 
and the earring which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the terrible tree which was at Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And so Jacob came to Lord's, that is called Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, and he and all the people who were with him, and he built an altar there, and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Then jump to verse number 9. The Bible then tells that God appeared unto Jacob again. When he came from Paddan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore. But Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you. Kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you and your descendant. After you, I give this land. Then God went up from it in the place where he talked with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where God had talked to him. A pillar of stone and he poured a drink offering on it and he poured an oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke to him, Bethel. Now, if you look at from verse 1 to verse number 7 of this passage of scripture that we read, you see Jacob going through the process of returning back unto Bethel. He heard the voice, he cleansed himself, he asked the people to drop all the gods in their house, prepared the journey, and went back to Bethel. So we see there is a return to Bethel in the first seven verses. But by the time you get to verse number 9, the Bible tells us there is a revisiting of Jacob by the Almighty God. The Bible tells us in verse number 9, Then God appeared to Jacob again. That is, after the first time, he appeared to him again. In verse number 10, we see the renaming of Jacob. In other words, the Lord said, I know you to be Jacob, which is a supplanter, a cheat, a scammer. If I'm going to do business with you, you have to change this behavior. You have to change this name. So the Lord Almighty gave him a new name. A renaming of Jacob took place. Number four thing that you see is the reintroduction of God Almighty unto Jacob. The Bible tells us in verse number 11, He said, God said unto him, I am God Almighty. What you will notice that any time before this particular verse, any time God wanted to speak to Jacob, he would always say, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. But at this particular point in time, God said, no, I am God Almighty. So there was a reintroduction. God Almighty said, I am El Shaddai. He was introducing himself again unto Jacob. And the same verse you will see, the Lord Almighty after introducing himself to Jacob, the Lord now went and renewed his covenant with Jacob. There was a renewal of the covenant that God has made unto Jacob on that particular day again. And then finally we see, as a response to the blessings that Jacob has received, Jacob now rededicated an altar to the Almighty God. The Bible says that Jacob now poured oil upon the altar where God showed up unto him. That's a high level overview. Of the first 15 verses. Now let's begin to go deeper. If you look at this verse very casually. You begin to wonder. Why is the Bible repeating the same thing? Why is the Bible telling us the same story? Because he has already told them. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. And Jacob poured oil. And Jacob dedicated it. And Jacob went over to Bethel. There seemed to be a repetition. And you begin to ask. What is the point? Why is the Lord appearing to Jacob a second time? One time should be enough. If I see you, I don't want to see you again. But God Almighty showed himself twice. Why? Why is the Lord appearing unto Jacob the second time after Jacob got to Bethel? As always, the Bible will not give you a full explanation. 
But you can see the answer to your question from the pages of the scripture. And the first thing you will see, why the Almighty God appeared unto Jacob the second time, was to acknowledge the fulfillment of Jacob's vow. Because Jacob made a promise to God. He said, if I go and I come, that is Genesis 28. If I go and I come, I am going to build an altar on this place. Jacob went for over 20 years. He forgot about his promise. God had to remind him. Jacob now went back and built that altar. And God visited him to acknowledge the fulfillment of his vow. That's the number one reason why God appeared. God appeared to Jacob to acknowledge the vows that is made. Number two, God appeared unto Jacob to approve of that particular offering. To tell Jacob, I know that you have given an offering. I know that you have given a vow. And that particular vow, because I know I acknowledge it, I am approving it. How do we know he approved it? Because the Almighty God came back and spoke to him about it. So number three, why did the Almighty God visit him? The Lord Almighty visited him so that he can now have a direct association with Jacob at this point in time. Now wait, let me make sure you understand what I'm talking about here. Like I said earlier on, anytime God wanted to introduce himself unto Jacob, he would say, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. But on this particular occasion, he introduced himself as the God Almighty. Why? The reason is because God wanted to associate with Jacob. He's trying to tell Jacob, the fact that I am the God of your father does not mean I am your God. The fact that I am the God of Isaac, the fact that I am the God of Abraham does not mean I am your God. You have to have a direct encounter with me for me to be your God. And the same thing happened in our individual lives. The fact that you are coming to church does not mean that your child is going to be saved. The fact that you are enjoying the blessings of God does not mean that your child or your son or your daughter will enjoy that particular grace. That is why everybody on an individual basis must come to have an encounter with Christ. Unless you have that encounter with Christ on an individual basis, you can enjoy corporate blessing. You can enjoy the blessings that we pray for, just like the sun will shine on everybody. But you may not enjoy the specific blessings of the Almighty God upon your life. That is one of the reasons why God had to come back and talk to Isaac and say, I need to have a direct individual association with you. Number four, the Lord showed up the second time to be able to give Jacob a legitimate claim to the promise of Abraham. What does that mean? You will remember that when Isaac was about to die, he said, Esau, go and cook something for me so that I can eat some and my soul can bless you. And we all know the story. Jacob did what? Jacob played a very fast one on his brother, stole the blessing, and he kept feeling fine. And God was saying to Jacob, I know what you did. You stole your brother's blessing. I intended to give you that blessing, but you thought you were smart. You got it on your own. Now for 20 years you have suffered. You have been running up and down. Now I want to put an end to it. You are the one who was supposed to get it because the prophecy came before you were born that you are going to have it. Now that you have encountered me, I am willing to put a legitimate stamp on your relationship with the Almighty God. So that is one of the reasons why he came back. He put a legitimate stamp upon the blessings of Jacob so that he can have access to the blessings of Abraham. And then finally, the Lord showed up the second time to be able to seal his covenant upon the life of Jacob. And you see that in verse number 12. The land which I gave to Abraham, which I gave to Isaac, now I am giving it to you. So it's not automatically transferred. The fact that you are enjoying the blessing of God does not automatically transfer into the life of your children. The fact that you have access to the throne of grace does not mean that your son or your daughter have access to grace. One of the things I want you to understand is this. 
assuming for some reason I become the heavyweight champion of the world. I have a fight and I win the belt. I have the heavyweight champion belt. And by the time I die, I decide to give my daughter the belt. Say, so now you, because this is my property, I'm giving it to you. And then my daughter, for one reason or the other, heard a motivational speech. And said, you can do all things through Christ who has delivered you. She now decided to carry my belt and go into the ring to go and compete. What do you think will happen? They will beat the daylight out of her. <laughs> they will beat her into pub. She will not even remember where the belt is. The point I'm trying to make is this. The fact that I gave her the belt does not make her a heavyweight champion. The fact that you have access to the belt, the fact that the belt now belongs to you because you are now being given the belt does not mean that you are qualified to carry that belt. Jacob was born as a descendant of Abraham. He received the blessings of his father, but the blessing did not materialize. Why? Because he had no access. He had no connection with the Almighty God. And until that connection was formed, the blessings was elusive. Yes, he had the blessing, but he was not enjoying it. And he kept on running. For 20 years, he kept on running. Kept on putting his hands in all sorts of things. Yes, the grace of God was upon his life. But he was not enjoying the very benefits for which the blessing was given unto him. There are many who are in church today. They are enjoying the grace of God. They are enjoying the prayer of the people of God. But they are not enjoying the fullness of God because they have no connection to the Almighty God. And the Lord Almighty is saying, you can keep doing what you are doing. You can keep running up and down. But if you really want to enjoy the fullness of what I have in store for you, if you really want to enjoy the banquet, you really want to enjoy the benefit of being a Christian, you need to form a relationship with me. There has to be a connection. And the Lord came back the second time to talk to Jacob because he wanted to seal that particular agreement. He wanted to make sure that that particular deal that he had with Jacob was sealed. Because unless it is sealed, the blessings will not show up. And that is what many of the people in the church of God are not understanding. We pray and we think that the prayers are not answered. We seek the face of God and it appears as if God is not listening. The problem is because we are enjoying the general grace. We have not come to the place of a covenant relationship. And until you enter into that covenant relationship, you will see it. I pray you will get it. But in most cases, we don't get it because there's no relationship there. So in other words, the Lord showed up to tell Jacob, now that you have done what you are supposed to do, now that you have fulfilled your own end of the bargain, I am going to make sure what I promise you becomes a reality. I've told you this before. You imagine before you are going to work in the morning, you told your son or your daughter, clean your room. When I come back, I'm giving you $10. The girl says, the boy says, okay, fine. Daddy said he's going to give me $10. I go into my room, I clean. By the time I clean, I put everything in order. I put the clothes in the closet. Daddy came back, he looked at the room, said, wow, this is beautiful. What did he do? He put his hand in his pocket and gave you $10. When daddy was at work, you had a promise. But the fact that you had a promise does not mean that you are enjoying the promise at that point in time. It was just a promise. If by the time your dad came back and you had not cleaned the room, what happened to that promise? Null and void. So the fact that you have a promise of the word of God does not necessarily mean that you are, you are going to start enjoying it. Every promise of the word of God that has a condition associated with it. And unless you do what you are supposed to do, that promise will never show up. Unless your son or your daughter cleans the room, the $10 is going to be looking at it like this, but it never touches hands. And that is why a lot of us are praying. We are praying, but we are not seeing the results. Because we are taking the promise 
but we are not doing the work. You have to fulfill the condition for receiving it. The Lord Almighty came back to Jacob to let him know, you have done what you say you are going to do. You say you are going to build me an altar. You have built the altar. Now I am coming to give you what I promised you. Because you have to fulfill the condition to enjoy it. That was why the Lord came back the second time. To acknowledge Jacob. To approve what he has done. To associate with Jacob. To establish his covenant with him. And to seal that covenant with the word of promise. Now you may say, okay, I get it. I know why God came back the second time. But why is it important? Why is it important that God has to come back the second time into the life of Jacob? The reason is because the second time that God came, it approved the claim of Jacob to the promise of Abraham. Jacob can now say, what my father gave me is actually mine. Because I have done what it takes to get it. That's why it is important for Jacob. It is important for you to have a revelation of the Almighty God because it gives you an assurance of what he has promised. Many of us will come when we pray, we quote the scriptures. But you remember the Bible tells us, he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. What does that mean? What it simply means is this. There is a word of God that is spoken to us generally, but there is a word of God that is spoken to you. Two different things. There is a word that is spoken to all of us. But there is a word that is spoken to you as an individual. If I tell you, or let's say they read in the news, yesterday the government is going to be generous, they are giving us a check of $10,000 each. That is a general statement. But when the IRS send you a letter and say you have $10,000 waiting in your account, you know that's a different story. There are two different stories. One you hear in the news, they might put criteria that might not include you. They may say, if, if you are any more than 100,000, you can't get it. If you are any more than 50,000, you can't get it, right? But if you get a letter from IRS and your name on top of it, and they are not saying you are owing taxes, but they say you are giving you this money, everything changes. Black Friday comes alive. The point I'm trying to make is this. The second visit of Almighty God unto Jacob was to be able to do what? To be able to approve the claim of Jacob to the blessings of Abraham. Because it was directly specific unto him. If today you slept and the Lord gave you a vision. Say tomorrow all you have to do is go in front of your house. Kick that stone and dollars will be there. And you get there you kick the stone and dollar came back. It's a different story. There's a difference in the story that I'm telling you and what God tells you. When God speaks to you as an individual, it changes your story. And that's why every believer must pray to hear the voice of God. Because the only time your level changes is when you hear God. If you don't hear him, you can read the scriptures. You can quote the scriptures. But that's not what he's telling you. What changes your level is what God says to you. That's why when Mary went to that particular party, they said they had no wine. Mary said to them, he said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. That is the direct instruction that changes your level. You understand? So the second visit of the Lord Almighty was important to Jacob because it approves his blessing. The second visit validated Jacob's inheritance, which he originally stole from his border. So there was a validation. You say, I put my stamp of approval upon it, and I validated that the blessing belonged unto you. But most importantly, the second visit of our Lord to Jacob established a relationship with the Almighty God that Jacob never had before. There was a different relationship. That particular second visit made the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, he now became the God of Jacob. 
you will notice anytime they want to call the name of the Almighty God, they say, Our God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. That was not God originally. Initially, we just say, I am God Almighty. When he formed a relationship with Abraham, he said, I am the God of Abraham. When Isaac formed the relationship with the Almighty God, he said, I am the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac. When Jacob made that relationship with God, God now said, no, I'm no longer the God of Abraham and Isaac. I'm now the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For you to be able to enjoy what God has to have in store for you, you have to go beyond the God of lifelong anointing church. You have to go beyond the God that this man is preaching. You have to come to the point of the God, my own God. You have to be your God. If it's not your God, you hear the stories, you will not enjoy the benefits. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. So the Lord appeared unto Jacob the second time to establish a relationship that will produce the blessing. So you see, before Jacob returned to Bethel, Jacob was only sweating. Before Jacob returned to Bethel, he was living a life of distress, a life of fear. Before Jacob returned unto Bethel, he was living a life of cheating, a life of scheming. Before he returned unto Bethel, he was living a life of quiet desperation. This man was desperate because he had nowhere to go. He knew he had the blessings of God, but the, the blessings were not materializing. But all that story changed the day Jacob decided to go to where God asked him to be. My brothers and sisters, there are so many of us who are dislocated. And what I mean by that is that you know God is telling you this is not where you're supposed to be. This is not the thing you're supposed to be doing. These are the things we're supposed to be doing. We have heard the voice of God. The prophetic word has been declared over our life. The Lord Almighty shows you in a dream the things you are supposed to be doing, but you choose not to do it. But Jacob, as long as Jacob stayed away from Bethel, his blessings stayed away from him. But the day Jacob went to the place that God assigned him to be, that day his story changed. I pray your story will change as you discover your own Bethel in Jesus' name. And as soon as he got to Bethel, Bible makes us to understand that Jacob began to experience the blessings of acceptance. Because the Almighty God accepted him as one of his own. As soon as Jacob got to Bethel, the Lord Almighty gave him the blessings of affirmation. He began to say, you are my son. I am your God. You are my son. As soon as Jacob returned to the place where God has assigned for him, Jacob began to enjoy the blessing of association. That's why God can now begin to equate him or put him on the same level with Abraham, with Isaac. As soon as he got to the place of his blessing, he began to enjoy the blessings of allocation. In other words, there are things that God has set aside for children of Abraham. Until you get to the place where he has assigned for you, those blessings may not materialize. And that's why you see people walking. Have you ever noticed one of the most profitable jobs to be is to be a surgeon? Those people who do all this operation. They say some of the operations cost thousands. But you know that there are doctors or surgeons who have to push their car before it starts. There are doctors like that. Many of us Africans will love to be nurses. But you know there are nurses who are having difficulty paying their bills. It is not the work that you are doing. It is, are you doing what God is asking you to do? I was telling somebody a time ago. I said that there are people who are doing three, four jobs. But there are people who are doing just one job. And that one job that they are doing, the earning from that job is equal to over four or five jobs that other people are doing. There are people who are seeing clients for one hour and their billable for one hour is over a thousand dollars just for somebody to sit in front of them 
and they talk to them and they charge a thousand dollars. Do they have two heads? No. The point I'm trying to make is this. When you find out where God has placed you, the allocation of the children of Abraham is released unto you. It is not how smart you are. It is you being in the right place. Let me give you an example in scripture. The Bible tells us that this guy called Peter and his brothers, they fished all night. They were expert fishermen. They knew where the fishes are. But the Bible said they walked all night and caught nothing. But Jesus Christ now came to the store and Jesus told them, put that net on your hand on the right side of the ship. And what happened? They pulled the net and they had what is called a net-breaking harvest. What happened? Is it because they were smart? No. It had nothing to do with them. It had everything to do with the word of God that was spoken into their life. So my brothers and sisters, look for the word of God that pertains to you. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.